Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Awesome. So, November rain. Who's enjoyed the, uh, see, the series so far? It's only been one week, so dipping our toes in, but we can get a little bit more into it this week. Um, I'm talking about how we serve our almighty God or the almighty God. Now, God isn't just a mighty God. He's not just a God. He is the almighty God. He's not a small God. He's not surprised. Nothing takes him. Like, he's, not, he's not shocked by anything. No, the world is a crazy place, but he's not, he isn't, he, he's not scared. He's not freaking out. So not, neither should you. The world has been crazy in the past. Take heart, take hope. He is the Almighty God. How do we do this? How do we serve the Almighty God? Now, Jesus puts it very, very simply, which was so counter, so countercultural at the time. You know, back uh, in Matthew 22. Don't turn there just yet. I'll give you a bit of context. The Pharisees. Who's heard of the Pharisees before? Just want to gauge some hands up. So I actually know if I need to explain who the Pharisees are. Okay, cool, you know, great. Um, so the Pharisees, I'll give you a brief, brief description. So these guys, they devoted themselves to learning all 613 laws that the Jews had to follow. All 613. And so well, it wasn't just enough to learn the 613 laws, because once you do that, then what do you do? Then you're out of a job, and what's your purpose? So they constructed a society with expectations that you knew which ones were important and which ones, which ones were more important, which ones were less important. So they spent their whole day, Monday to Friday, probably even more, because they only had one Sabbath, so probably Monday to whatever day they had to rest on. Um, and they decided, let's put these 613 rules in order, from least important to most important. It's like, uh, is there any, there any men follow any, like, any sports, like American sports, and there's like a power rankings that comes out every week? Like, uh, it's not the table. So you've got the table where who's coming first and who's coming second on points and results. This is more of a who's in form and, and injuries can impact it. And even though a team can be top of the ladder, they could be maybe fourth or fifth on the power rankings because like, it's their momentum. And so the, the, the Pharisees would make this ranking every single day with little tweaks, up and down, up and down. See, the, the problem with that is they got so focused on the rules that they missed the spirit of the rules. Okay, that's, that's the context. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40. Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So the Sadducees, small fry. Pharisees are the big dogs. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher... Which is the greatest commandment in the law? So he's essentially saying to Jesus, Pharisees have spent so many years, years and years and years and years and years, just just debating this. The age-old question, which one's the greatest? Trying to trick him. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And it's interesting that Jesus actually gives an answer because to most of the questions he gets asked, Jesus responds with a question. When, when Jesus is asked a question, most of the time, if you go back and look through the whole gospel, he normally responds with another question. 
because he knows the hearts of people. He'll know that if they're trying to trick him, he'll know how to redirect their attention to themselves. But here he gives a specific answer. There is an answer to this question. The greatest law is to love your God. And the greatest, verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment, verse 39. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's saying all, verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So he's saying what you guys do essentially is null and void. You need to love God and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And so which can be a bit problematic because when you've got 613 rules you've got to follow, it's very specific. You know what you can do, you know what you can't do. 116 rules, follow them or you don't follow them, black or white. The difference between follow the rules and love your neighbor as yourself is love your neighbor is very generic. Love your neighbor can look like anything. What does it look like? I think it's important to have an idea of what that looks like. Love God, love others. It went from specific rules to being a general principle. Um, here to talk about two ways. This, this is not the exhaustive list of how to love others, but it's, there are two things that don't often get spoken about. Number one is sacrifice. And number two is responsibility. So I don't want to come in just tickle your ears. I'm not here. I don't come very often, so I want to make them count. So hopefully you're taking notes. So sacrifice, what does that mean? Anyone? What is, what is, what's, if you were to give it a definition, you don't often get to yell out in church, but yell it out. Yeah, yeah, literally. So Google, the font, found of all knowledge, uh, says, <laughs> only just second to Facebook. Facebook is the found of all knowledge, then Google. <laughs> I'm going to make myself throw up. So Google says, to forego something, thanks, Pete, to forego something of value, for the sake of other considerations. So whether that be someone else or something else. So we all make sacrifices all the time. If you're married, you should be making sacrifices all the time. If you're a parent, you should be making even more sacrifices. If you're single, then it's, it's very hard to make sacrifices for yourself. But you, but you still need to. Sometimes doing the hard thing for yourself is also the right thing to do. Um, someone might need to hear that this morning. If you're married, you make them. If you're a parent, you make them. Any person who interacts with another, you're making sacrifices for them. And some are big and some are small, but all are necessary. It's the physical manifestation of your heart's desire. Sacrifice. A sacrifice is a doing word. It's not a theory. It's not an idea that you can just talk about. You You actually do it. Like an Olympic person with dreams of being an Olympic swimmer. They sacrifice sleeping in. They sacrifice friendships. They sacrifice all sorts of different things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I'm not a swimmer. I'm Middle Eastern. I can't swim very well. We, we just we, we sink. Plus, plus all the hair just, just drag. And I just, no good, no good. Um, but yeah, Olympic swimmers, they sacrifice so much because they have a great desire to, to represent their country in swimming. It's a manifestation of their desire. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. It's not just swimmers, it's gymnasts, it's anyone who actually wants to achieve anything significant, you have to sacrifice. Who here has done economics in either high school or university? 
Ah, couple, yes. Go to the economics people. Awesome. Okay, so I have to explain this, this principle to you. It's called opportunity cost. So to do anything, to, to do anything with your time, to do anything with any resource that you have, there is a cost associated with that choice. And that cost is the next best option that you forego. So if you're choosing to spend $10 on a pizza, well, then the opportunity cost of that is spending $9 on a milkshake. That's the opportunity cost. It's the next best alternative. And there is always a next best alternative that you are foregoing, which is technically a sacrifice, but because you're not actually getting it, it doesn't actually feel like a sacrifice. Anyways, that's, that wasn't even in my notes. That was an aside. Anyways, that's one of the um, rep the economics people. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walking in love and sacrifice goes hand in hand. You can't be a selfish person and walk in love. Putting people's needs first over yours is not always easy, but it's necessary. A couple more verses on sacrifice. Matthew 16, verse 24 in the NIV. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, forgo what you want, take up their cross, and follow me. You know, he doesn't say, take up your pillow. Come, come follow me. We'll have a nice cushy ride. Have whatever you want. Rest relaxation, luxury, all those things are great, and you need them all, don't get me wrong. But Jesus doesn't, he doesn't say take your pillow, he says grab this big chunk of wood, which is probably going to give you splinters, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to be tiring, but that is the way to follow Jesus, and that is the best way to live your life. Hands down, hands down, if, if, if you're young, or young at heart in this room, Follow Jesus and don't be afraid of the difficult. Don't be afraid of the hard. Because if you're afraid of the hard, you'll stay comfortable and you'll stay small. And you're, all, you're too important, you're too valuable, you've got too much to give to, to stay small. And that goes for every, every person. John chapter 15, verse 13. Last little, little bit on sacrifice. Greater love has no one than this than to lay one's life down for his friends. No greater love. Okay, so in that, in that passage, it's on the screen, yeah. There's a, there's a what, there's a who, and then there's an extent. The what? What's the, does anyone want to take a guess at what the what is? What are we doing? Laying down, yeah, exactly. And laying down is a direct... Um, reference to the process of sacrifice in the Jewish tradition, where you'd lay down the sacrifice, you'd burn it as offering to God, lay down a sacrifice, and to sacrifice your life for your friends. So the who is easy, who are we sacrificing our life for? Our friends, exactly. You know, it's a bit bigger circle than what I'm comfortable with, to be honest. I'll lay my life down for my, my wife, 100%. Lay my life down for my parents, for sure. When I have kids eventually... 100%. But the Bible calls us to stretch to our friends, the people in your world. Thank goodness it doesn't say lay down your life for every person. It doesn't say every person. 
Don't ever feel guilty that you aren't a missionary slumming it in India with the orphans. That is someone's job. Someone's called to do that. doesn't have to be you. Don't feel guilty. Although I do say if you either, either go or send. So if, if you're not going, then help fund and send someone else. Um, that's just a little, another little aside. You get that one for free too. Um, what? Who? It's, it's, it's your world. It's your circle. Lay your life down for the people in your world. doesn't mean don't be kind to strangers. Not at all. But there's a difference between what this, Bible, this verse is talking about, laying down your life. It's big. Being kind, being friendly, being generous isn't laying down your life. It's part of it, but it's very superficial. Lay down your life for your friends. No greater love. It's a pretty, pretty, big, um, pretty big compliment. And the extent. What's the extent? What extent is one's life? What does that mean to you? What, do, what does you, laying down your life look like? To what extent do you want to lay down your life? Because laying down your life is it's totally open to interpretation. And it could be as minimal or as maximum as you want. That's where you come in. That's where you go to the Holy Spirit and say, what does this actually look like? I'm not going to tell you the do's. and I'm not going to make 613 laws of you to lay down your life for your friends. We're past that. There's no, it's all about relationship with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and using your conscience to love those around you. As soon as you incorporate rules, the whole, you might as well throw the whole thing out. So what extent will you live for others? What does laying your life down look like? Cool. This is a heavy message, but you guys are responding really well, so thanks. <laughs> cool. All right, taking responsibility. Responsibility in our society is a bit of a dirty word. And when you hear take responsibility, people automatically jump to take the blame. But it's so much more than that. You know, taking responsibility is living a life of purpose for others. Living life that is in a way that you are blessed in a way that you are sufficient and that you can not just provide for yourself and take ownership of what you are doing and what you're saying, but are able to bear with others' weaknesses and to not just, not just share in their weaknesses, but to also share in your victories. You know, that, to me, that sounds a whole lot like Jesus, to, to share your victories and to bear with people's weaknesses. That's love. We're all human. You know, some of us have to, have to have this revelation of our parents. Seeing them in the right light, not having them in too high a regard or too low a regard. Having realistic expectations of them is all part of taking responsibility for yourself. Taking responsibility is active. It's a lot like offense. If you don't take it, it will pass you by. One you want to grab, one you don't want to grab, one you don't want to touch. All right, what does the Bible say? Those are just my thoughts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Therefore, I therefore, sorry, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Here's how you do it. First thing he says is with all lowliness. So humility. So yes, who here is called? 
There should be a lot more hands up than that. You are all called. You all have a God-given purpose and mission for, for your world, for your life. 100%. And don't ever be ashamed of that. Don't ever be shy of that. I feel like it's interesting because Paul's saying to the people, live a life according, according to the, the extent that you've been called. Everyone is called. And then the first thing he says is in lowliness, in hum- humility. But in my experience with Australians especially, maybe it's because of tall poppy syndrome or something, but Aussies need to kick up the butt to say, no, you are called, come on. Very rarely have I ever had to say, well, mate, you're, yes, you're called, but okay, maybe just turn it down a little bit. I don't think I've ever said that. I'm always encouraging people to be more and be bigger and to step into all that God has made them. And with gentleness and long-suffering. Who's, um, who's gone through some long-suffering in their life? Yeah, that, that creates some gold, doesn't it? My goodness. It's not fun. Long-suffering is pretty much just the working out of the Bible verse. Faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Be in faith and in pain and in patience, and you will inherit the promises of God. Amen? Keep going. Verse 3. No, sorry. Long-suffering. Bearing with one another in love. Some people are overbearing. Some people are hard to bear with. Do whatever you can to bear with them. Have boundaries if necessary. Uh, Verse 3. Endeavoring or journeying or trying to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So do whatever you can. Don't, Don't... Don't sell the farm to be peaceful with someone who's not going to be peaceful. Do everything that you can in your ability, setting up boundaries, having space, doing what you need to do to keep peace. Forgiveness is a big part of that. Uh, verse 4. This is, this, is, this is the empowerment behind the whole idea of bearing with one another and taking responsibility is... There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The almighty God, the, the, the one that we are focusing this whole theme around and this theme on, lives in you through Christ Jesus. The King of glory. You know, when, when, I get, when you get to heaven, have you ever thought about this? When you get to heaven and there's all like the Old Testament people and Paul and the disciples and you're going to be able to talk to whoever you want, who would you talk to? If there's like a net- networking meeting in heaven and there are all the big players are there, who are you going to make a beeline for and what questions would you ask? I don't know, I'm just weird. I just I think like that. Anyways, I'd love to talk to Moses. I'd love to talk to David and just talk about their, their stories, of the amazing, like, what it felt like with David and Goliath, what it felt like with a million Jews yelling and screaming at you. How do you, how do you deal with that? Crazy. But when you think about it, when, when we get to heaven, all those Old Testament heroes, all the people that you read about in the first two, two-thirds of the book, they're all going to be running over to us saying, what was it like to have Yahweh, the, the, the God of our ancestors living in your heart through Christ Jesus. They're going to be running to us. We are, li- we are living in such blessed times. Let's never take that for granted. 
I'm picturing Moses running up to me saying, Justin, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit living in your heart? Because they had to go to the top of a mountain, or they had to go into a tabernacle, or they had to do, like, they had to jump through hoops, they had to do all sorts of things. And only a certain number of people could experience the power of God. Minimal. We have what, what, the, what the people of the Old Testament were dreaming about. What they were dreaming about. Almighty God, the King of all glory, nothing shines a light to him. His, his light, oh my goodness, this, it's, it's hard to, to think of words that can even come close to adequately describing him. And as you get closer to him, you realize more and more how little you know. And oh, can I get you on the keys? Where are you? Over there. Your wife told me you were came in from India last night, and you're a jet-lagged champion. We need lots of hendos in our churches. Awesome. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the only way we're going to live. It's the only way we're going to live a sacrificed life for God and for others. The only way we're going to be whole enough to take responsibility, to bear with people, to share our victories and to share blame. Because our world says that if it's good, it's from you and if it's bad, it's someone else's fault. If you're young, it'll separate you like wheat and chaff so quickly in whatever you choose to do. If you're a bit older, you probably already know it. But let's continue to through the Holy Spirit continue to take stock of where we're at I'm constantly getting our church to take self audits with whatever we're talking about where are you where are you actually at with this and what can you do about it because I don't know about you but I do not want to play church I do not want to play church it's not I don't have any time for that got plenty of time for encountering Jesus We've got plenty of time for the word of God plenty of time for community but when I come to church I'm coming expecting that something's going to happen we hope you've been encouraged by this message for more information about C3 New Hope and its locations please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au